It is Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top stories. A federal appeals court will allow partial access to the abortion drug mifepristone, but there are limitations on how that drug can be dispensed. How could this affect medication abortion services right here in New Hampshire? NHPR's Paul Kuno Booth covers health and equity, and he joins me now. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Okay, Paul, there are two federal court cases concerning access to this drug, one of those used for medical abortions. Can, can you untangle the, the, these cases and these rulings for us? Sure, I'll, I'll do my best at least. Um, so just some quick background. Medication abortion is becoming increasingly common. It now accounts for more than half of abortions nationwide. Um, and nearly all of those medication abortions involve a combination of two drugs. Mifepristone is one of them. It's been on the market since uh, 2000. And last week, a federal judge in Texas ruled the FDA's approval of mifepristone more than 20 years ago was invalid. This is part of a lawsuit uh, brought by plaintiffs who are opposed to abortion rights, who are trying to get this drug taken off the market. At the same time, a different judge in Washington state issued a conflicting order. Um, This is in a case brought by a group of Democratic attorneys general. That order says the FDA has to preserve access to mifepristone in the states that are involved in that lawsuit. Worth noting, New Hampshire is not one of those states. Um, So this week, an appeals court partially rolled back the Texas order. So the FDA's approval of mifepristone will remain in effect. Um, But the appeals court did allow some restrictions to go forward. Um, So mifepristone would only be approved for use up to seven weeks rather than 10. um, And the pills could also no longer be shipped through the mail. Biden administration is now appealing that ruling to the Supreme Court. Um, so there's just a lot of uh, uncertainty right now about what happens with um, with this drug. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paul, does this change access to abortion pills for people right here in New Hampshire right now? So as of this moment, no. The order out of that Texas case does not take effect until after today. So abortion providers in New Hampshire have really been emphasizing that nothing has changed as of now. They're still providing medication abortions as usual up to around 10 weeks, depending on the provider. It's also important to note that even if restrictions on mifepristone do take effect, that doesn't mean providers have to stop offering medication abortion altogether. Um, Again, this is just one of two drugs used in medication abortions. Um, These lawsuits do nothing to affect access to the second drug, misopristol. Um, That drug on its own is a safe and effective method of abortion, um, though it's um, not the the preferred uh, medical practice right now. Um, So it's not ideal, but medical groups do say, you know, misopristol only abortions are an accepted alternative when this first drug, mifepristone, is not available. So abortion providers in New Hampshire say they will keep offering medication abortion regardless of the outcome of this case. If necessary, they are ready to shift to this different protocol using only the second drug. Um, But again, there's just so much up in the air with with these cases right now. The ACLU of New Hampshire is calling on Governor Sununu and Attorney General John Formella to intervene in the Washington lawsuit. What exactly does the ACLU hope to see from from Sununu and and from Formella? That's right. So as we said, this is the case where a judge said the FDA cannot make any changes to mifepristone access in certain states. Uh, Regardless of this other competing order we've been talking about, um, abortion rights advocates in New Hampshire want the state to join that lawsuit to uh, make sure mifepristone remains accessible here regardless of the outcome of this other case. Um, The governor and attorney general said this week they are monitoring both of these lawsuits and will decide soon whether or not to join that Washington case. 
Uh, but so far, they haven't announced a decision on that either way. Paul, are abortion providers preparing for scenarios where abortion pills do become illegal as, as these rulings play out? Yeah. So as I, I touched on, um, you know, there is um, kind of an alternative method. It's actually used in many other parts of the world um, using only this second um, drug, misoprostol. Uh, it is safe and effective, but um, seems to be slightly less effective, and, and also the side effects are slightly more um, unpleasant or, or somewhat more unpleasant. But um, providers in New Hampshire do say, you know, if and when they get word that mifepristone is restricted, they're prepared to pivot immediately to um, providing medication abortions through um, this other protocol using this, this one drug. Republicans in the New Hampshire Senate killed two bills aimed at bolstering abortion rights this week. Both of those bills passed with bipartisan support of the House. They had the backing of the governor, too. But what happened there, Paul? Right. So to remind people, um, one of these bills would have created uh, explicit explicit protections for abortion rights under state law up to 24 weeks. The other would have removed criminal and civil penalties from the uh, 24-week abortion ban that took effect um, a little over a year ago. Uh, those penalties apply to medical providers and have been sort of an ongoing source of controversy. Um, th these were two of, of um, a, a range of abortion-related proposals um, that were put forward this, uh, this year, and, and these were the two that got the farthest, passed the House earlier this year, but um, died in the Republican Senate this week, uh, which I don't think was a huge surprise. It's Morning Edition from NHPR. We're recapping this week's news, and we want to hear your questions about what's going on in the state. You can email us at voices at nhpr.org. Let's turn to some other health news from the week. The state planning to distribute hundreds of boxes uh, containing opioid reversal drugs to every county in the state. Paul Kuno Booth is here again with us, and New Hampshire Bulletin's Hadley Barndoller joins us as well. She's been reporting for the state's intervention efforts, and she joins us now on the line. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here, Hadley. Tell us how these boxes work, and, and why is the state deploying them now? Um, so to provide the larger context, the, the state's Department of Health and Human Services made a pretty big announcement this week that it will be working with its community partners across the state to deploy more than 700 Nalox boxes in public locations, like you said, in all 10 counties. And the department believes this is the only large-scale project of its kind in the country, which is very interesting. Um, a Nalox box is essentially a hard, durable unit that gets mounted to an exterior exterior wall, um, providing 24-7 access to uh, nasal naloxone, or, or what we commonly refer to as Narcan. Um, it's almost like a first aid kit for overdose reversal. If someone is experiencing an overdose and a nalox box was nearby, bystanders could hopefully spring into action to administer Narcan and hopefully save that person's life. It sounds very in much like the concept of, of, of a defibrillator in, in public spaces. Yes, exactly. And and um, the department actually likened uh, these these boxes to defibrillators when they announced it. And in, in terms of why the state is deploying them now, um, it's it's no uh, secret that last year, New Hampshire saw the highest number of drug overdose deaths since around the 2017-2018 period, and the majority have been attributed to fentanyl. Um, I think the pandemic made a lot of people forget about the opioid crisis, when in reality, it was simmering in the background and getting worse in a lot of ways. And last year certainly showed us that. Um, and this latest effort by the state, you know, investing in Nalox boxes and making Naloxone so visible to the public is an example of it putting harm reduction into action in a really big way. So, Hadley, how is the state working with, with local organizations to make sure that these drugs do get to, to the people that really need them? 
the state says, excuse me, the state says it's partnering with the 13 regional public health networks, um, the New Hampshire Harm Reduction Coalition, and Recovery Friendly Workplace to distribute these boxes um, in public locations where, where they're needed the most or might see some of the, the most traffic of the populations that would benefit from them. Um, in addition, um, the state is saying any business or organization can contact them to express interest in, in installing a box. Um, important to note, it's, it's also coming at a time, too, when the FDA just recently approved over-the-counter nasal Narcan for the first time, um, meaning it's about to become much more widely available, um, you know, a much more common and regular tool for the public as, as we continue to fight the opioid crisis. And I wanted to mention a really interesting statistic that's circulating in New Hampshire Last year, the um, the New Hampshire Harm Reduction Coalition, their program participants reported reversing close to 1,500 overdoses because they had access to Narcan. Well, you've been reporting more broadly about this this harm reduction program across the state. Tell us more about that. Sure. So I think harm reduction is, is a term we hear a lot more of lately, and the larger public health framework is, is certainly gaining interest nationally. It's been endorsed by the CDC as an evidence-based approach to the opioid crisis. But I don't think a lot of the general public necessarily understands its genesis. Um, harm reduction and recovery are not one and the same. And though one can certainly lead to the other, it's, it's important to note that they're not interchangeable. So harm reduction philosophy accepts that people are going to use drugs regardless and rather focuses efforts on making sure they use the drugs as safely as possible while minimizing negative impacts that can typically be associated with drug use like HIV, hepatitis C, skin infections. Um, the services are everything from syringe exchange programs to fentanyl test strips to wound care this really robust set of services that that shows people humanity and, and gives them dignity that they deserve while, while meeting people where they're at in their various journeys. And first and foremost, this notion that people have to stay alive in order to make it to recovery. Um, one person I've spent some time with, you know, talked about harm reduction as radical love, the, the idea of accepting people for exactly who they are and, and valuing each and every life, regardless of drug use. Can you give us an example of, of, of how that program, how this, this works, this philosophy works? Sure. So I recently spent some time with the New Hampshire Harm Reduction Coalition's Overdose Prevention Van, um, which is one of several harm reduction service programs around the state. Um, this van travels weekly to Concord, uh, Manchester, Rochester, Somersworth, and Dover, providing all of the services that I just mentioned in, in a mobile way. Um, typically, they set up in parking lots or public spaces where individuals can easily access them. And people can arrive confidentially um, to exchange used needles for clean ones. They can get kits for safer injection, smoking, and snorting. The van gives out thousands of fentanyl test strips, um, condoms, Plan B. And oftentimes, they have various providers on site as well that, that can address challenges um, and connect people to further services for whatever they're dealing with. And I have to say, based on the time I spent with the van in Rochester, it was very clear the staff and volunteers are incredibly empathetic and understanding people who show program participants the utmost care and respect. Now, the Biden administration declared xylosine as a major threat to people in the U.S. this week, and it's something that, that we've been hearing about for, for a while here in the Northeast. Paul, you've been reporting on how local outreach workers have seen the, this animal tranquilizer cut into to the street drugs like fentanyl. What have they said about the risks of xylosine specifically? 
Yeah, that's right. This this tranquilizer xylazine has been a, uh, around for a while um, as an animal tranquilizer, but but is you know not approved for use in humans and is increasingly finding its way into uh, fentanyl. You know, medical experts are worried this you know because it's a sedative, it uh, adds to the overdose risk when combined with fentanyl, which um, as Hadley was saying has already driven. Um, a wave of overdoses in recent years. Um, xylazine also seems to cause really aggressive skin wounds that that can progress to amputation um, if they're not, you know, treated immediately. Um, there's also concern that, you know, just the, the sedation, heavy sedation um, itself can be really dangerous for people who are already vulnerable. You know, maybe they're, they're unsheltered and this could make them more vulnerable to um, cold theft, things like that. Uh, I, I want to ask you just quickly, just in the 30 seconds or so we have left, Hadley, uh, how people can access the, the overdose prevention van or find more information on harm reduction. Sure. So the Harm Reduction Coalition's van is on the road four days a week, like I mentioned, um, in the five cities of Concord, Manchester, Rochester, Summersworth, and Dover. And on their website, they have phone numbers associated with each city that people can call or text um, to get more information on, on the location or whatever they're looking for. Um, and also have to mention there's a handful of other harm reduction programs in the state like SOS Recovery, Revive Recovery Center, Grow Syringe Exchange, as well as several others. And um, in our story that we published this week on NewHampshireBulletin.com, we included a comprehensive list at the end of the story um, featuring all of these services and their contact information. And the Harm Reduction Coalition also has an extensive okay. resources page on their website. Thank you so much, Hadley. NHPR's Paul Kuna Booth and the New Hampshire Bulletin's Hadley Barndoller. Thank you both for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks so much. You can find more of their work and all the stories we talked about this morning at NHPR.org and NewHampshireBulletin.com. I'm Rick Ganley. We're back with another New Hampshire News Recap next Friday on NHPR.